ultimately, success in a franchise, no matter how great the franchisor is, ultimately, it's on the franchisee. It's on you, the owner. So the franchisor can have the best plan in the world. I always use my personal training analogy. So when I was a personal trainer, like I could have the best equipment, right? I could have the most up-to-date science on how many reps and how many sets and the pace at which you need to go to make your body grow and change. But I can't make your body change. I I can't make you show up, you know, three or four days or five days a week, whatever our plan is together, right? You have to show up. You have to put that intensity into your workout. You have to control what you eat. You have to sleep the right number of hours, right? You have to do the right things, in order for the plan to work. And the same thing is true in a franchise. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Better Wealth Podcast. I have a very special guest, someone that has a ton of energy. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you're already smiling because it's impossible not to smile when you're around Kim. Um, We're gonna be talking about franchises, everything you need to know about franchise, if you should invest in a franchise, if you should quit your job and start a franchise, if you're a business owner and want to pursue a franchise as an alternative asset, maybe as a full-time business. I'm excited for this. Quite frankly, don't know very much about franchises, but I know that um, it, it has made a lot of people um, wealthy and it's, it's put money back in their pocket and options. And um, in this movement, we're all about intentional living. And so Kim Daly, thank you for being on the show. And this is going to be a blast. Thank you so much. Let's get down into it, Caleb. I love, I love that you don't know much because then your questions will come probably from the same place that a lot of the candidates that I work with and a lot of your listeners are probably starting in that same place. So wherever you want to begin, let's go. <laughs> so I want I want to touch on your on your background, but I just want to be very frank. When I think of a franchise, I think of McDonald's. Sure. Better or worse. I think they're you and everybody else. Okay. Or so- Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Chick-fil-A is another. I, I actually looked into a Chick-fil-A franchise, but I didn't want to commit to the uh, process of, of working full-time. Even though I, I love Chick-fil-A as a consumer, I didn't want to uh, commit to the time and energy. Just in the five minutes that we talked before interviewing, I'm excited because I believe that your whole business practice is you help people connect them with franchises, whether they're an investor, whether they want to, to look at something different. And you, you know so much about franchises in all the different categories. And so what I'm excited about is to hear a little of your background, hear maybe like the pros and cons to a franchise, but I also wanna hear stories about how people have gone through this path and created a more intentional life. Um, and I know that you have a lot of good resources and that you are a great resource yourself. And so with that, let's, uh, let's dive into your story. Why did you get into the franchise space? And is there anything that you wanna say before we get into your story about what we're gonna be learning today? So great. So yeah, like, because I didn't wake up one day and go, oh yeah, I can't wait to be a franchise consultant, right? Like nobody says that, right? Um, But today at the day of this recording, it is actually my 20th anniversary as a franchise consultant. I went to training to become a franchise consultant on February 14th, 2002. Who knew that this ride would take me all the places it has taken me? It's really, really amazing. So franchising typically finds us. We don't find it. But what's funny about my story is when I was little, I wanted to help people. And I wanted to be a motivational speaker. 
but how do you do that? Or I wanted to be a doctor. Well, okay, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to be a doctor. I ended up answering a classified ad in the newspaper that was for a franchise consulting company. And I thought that it was a huge deviation from anything that I ever planned to do with my life, but God's plans are always better than ours. (laughs) And uh, one day I was about 40 years old. I was in a hotel room in Dallas waiting, um, getting ready to go do a live event. I hosted live events up until uh, the pandemic multiple times a year, teaching people about franchising and inspiring people to my knowledge and using you know people that I had helped place into franchising would change their life, would come out and, and, and share their story and then inspire the audience members to want to work with me. And I was sitting in the hotel getting ready and I sort of had this like bone chilling moment where I was like, oh look at me. I'm like a motivational speaker. (laughs) I'm coming out to hear me learn about franchising and hopefully get inspired to change their life. And that was a pretty monumental day. So um, that is what I do, Caleb. I help people. They come to me with all different backgrounds, whether they're investors, whether they're W-2 employees, they're thinking about franchising. I love it when people say, I don't really know if this is the right thing for me. I love that because they're, they come more open, you know, not so rigid, just stay open. Let's just have some fun. Let me teach you, ask some questions and let's see if it's the right thing for you. Right. And all of my services are free. As I mentioned to you before, I'm paid by franchisors to do this awesome job. So by the time a candidate gets to a franchisor, they live in a market the franchisor is deemed viable and open. They have the financial wherewithal to afford that particular investment. And they have the characteristics, like the key skill sets that match that franchisor's top performing group. So, I mean, that franchisor pays me because that's a much more qualified candidate than someone who may just have a bad day at work and fill out a form on the internet. And oftentimes, Caleb, people, sometimes they think they know what they're interested in and, and, or they think they know, oh, my community doesn't have a UPS store or, Hey, I go to Orange Theory. I'd love to own one. And when they come to me, I say, okay, What we're going to do is we're going to talk about your life and your goals and dreams. Like, what are you trying to achieve through the business? I'm infinitely more interested in someone's personal, professional, and financial goals and what time frame they want to be at that place than I am that their community needs a UPS store or that they love to work out at Orange Theory. Because if the skill sets that are required by an an owner to run a particular business, if that doesn't match or the quality of life goals or the investment parameters or the return parameters, if the return potentials don't match, what good is the business? At the end of the day, the business is an investment, right? So that kind of gives you a little bit of how I do what I do. I'll, I'll let You're you You're like a matchmaker. You get paid I, for putting together a great match and, and you know a whole world of, of franchise, which is, by the way, starting multiple businesses. I'm even wondering if I should just close shop and go into franchising because it's a lot of work, you know? And that's a joke for everyone, all of you guys that are listening, but it's like starting a business from scratch is a lot of work. And there are people that identify with like, hey, I, I do want this idea of working. Um, I, I want to work hard. I, I want to be able to make money. I want to be able to think outside the box, but I don't necessarily want to build something from scratch. And there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want to build it from scratch because if something's already working, why mess with it? 
a franchise, here goes the value proposition question. So when you invest in a franchise, you're buying down the learning curve of starting a business, right? Because you're partnering yourself with people who've already done it. So you pay them that franchise fee, which is the one-time fee. And the daily coach calls that the cost of entry. It opens the gate to Disneyland and buys you access to everything they've created, which is a proven business plan, initial training, ongoing support, maybe a toolbox that includes search engine optimization or marketing, technology like a CRM or the database management, right? So it's all these things that as you come up with an idea to start a business, you're like, oh, okay, how do I get to the point where I make money? I got to create all of this. In a franchise, you pay a fee and you have instant access to all of it. So from day one, you know that your time and your money is moving you toward profitability. And therefore, we're buying down that learning curve. We're buying up the ramp up speed. So this business could cash flow. You know, if you have a business like something that's wrapped in a membership, like a little yoga studio, where you can start using the marketing and selling membership during construction of your studio, you may open, especially if it's a little boutique fitness that only requires, you know, a couple hundred customers or members to be at a, a, a monthly break, even you may open cash flow positive, right? Because someone is going ahead of you and teaching you and providing the tools versus the person who's like, I'm a yoga instructor and I'm going to open my studio. And they just get to the point where they open the studio and then try to figure out how to make money. Right. So we're ramping up that the speed at which you should get to that cash flow. And I don't want to make any earnings claims or anything like that. But then ultimately we're buying down we're I'm sorry, we're yeah, we're buying down the risk. So it's a much lower risk because you know that starting a business is a very risky proposition, mainly because most entrepreneurs have to make so many assumptions about the customer and what the market will bear and how the competition will impact you and where to find those customers and how much money is it going to take to find those people and how many of them do I need and how long is it going to take until they all come? And in, in the figuring out of all of those and many other questions... A lot of entrepreneurs run out of money, patience, time, you know? And so when you start with a franchise from day one, all of those questions are answered and you know that you have enough working capital statistically to, you know, proven by all the franchisees who've come before you. Now, the last thing I'll say is ultimately... When you work with the daily coach, I am going to kind of bring you up above the business and focus you on the partnership because the number one advantage to investing in a franchise is you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Entrepreneurship is really lonely, right? Like you, you, you don't have anybody to go, gee, I wonder if this is really the the right way to go or, you know, a pandemic happens and you're like, wow, I wonder how to adapt this business. So very, very, very few, if any of the franchisors I work with had multiple, multiple failures in the pandemic. Even my fitness franchisors adapted. And I mean, the, the companies I'm showing today, including fitness, they didn't just like adapt to survive. They adapted to thrive because collectively we're just better when people can come together and work together to pivot. You're just stronger. You're not out there on an island. So always my partnership, going back to your matchmaking comment, I am the e-harmony of franchising. Uh I like that. I like that. My matchmaking, excuse me, is always to people. I want to find you the candidate 
people that you can get to know, like, and trust. People that have a vision that you buy into that you say, hey, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And you're raising your hand saying, please pick me to take your business plan back to my hometown and be a part of this and help you grow this brand. Ultimately, that's what you're doing. Do you remember in 2002 what your first franchise connection was? Oh, that's a really good question. I remember the some of the franchisors that I, I think I actually do. I think it was Maui Wowie, which... Uh. Were you, wait, when were you born? No, I'm just kidding. Nine, 1996. And so, so, uh, so I was a six-year-old when you got into space. <laughs> exactly. So Maui Wowie was a Hawaiian smoothie okay. franchise that operated with a kiosk. And it had a heyday for sure. It had a heyday. Yep. So there was okay. no fixed expenses. I think right out of the gate, I placed several people um, right into that brand. I, and I still, to this day, going back to your, you know, franchising, when I think franchising, I think McDonald's, I still, to this day, lean toward opportunities with very low fixed costs where owners can wake up and learn how to drive activity rather than opening doors and praying that people will come in. Yeah. It's just a better, it's a harder ramp to learn as a business owner, like how to attract a customer, you know, how to find those people using marketing and networking and referral relationships. But you're always going to be a stronger business owner when you learn how to be in control of that lead flow, then you are opening your doors and reacting and hoping and praying that people come in. Let me say this before I move on. That doesn't mean that I don't help people get into location-based franchises. I most certainly do, right? There's there's a different investment. There, you know, there are all kinds of franchise investments used by all kinds of people for different outcomes. Love it. I love it. I think as as I'm trying to learn about franchises, um, I want I want to like take a step back and say, okay, what is our process for actually working with you? And the reason I say that is. We could go and talk all about the what, which is the franchise, but it's really like really the process of how you work with somebody. That would be number one. And then I have a ton of questions on the different type of franchises, the pros and cons of that, the, the tax benefits, all, all these questions that I'm going to wait to ask. But if, if someone's saying like, okay, I want to learn more, what is the basic process from curiosity to like, do you have to be accredited? Do you have like, what, what is the process yeah. that you walk people through? And that that's going to get a lot of questions flowing. And I think a lot of people from there is going to be like, I've never thought of that because we think a franchise is just Chick-fil-A or McDonald's, but I have a funny feeling that there's some franchises that have very little out of pocket that are online, you know? And so it's just like, I want people to start thinking differently. And I think um, you so far have had some of the most energy I've ever interviewed, uh, which I appreciate. And so I'm all, I'm all ears. Uh, so yes, there are all kinds of franchise businesses in all different ranges of investments, um, from very low investments like you know, 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars all in to three, four, five million dollars. And it really is my job to help teach you, first of all, before I going to my process, before I can match opportunity to anybody, again, I want to know what are you looking to achieve through this business? Is it job replacement? Is it, hey, I want to bridge the gap, Kim. I can't afford to quit my W-2 right now, but I really want to in three to five years. Is it, hey, with this job, I can't seem to get ahead. I need to build more cash flow, cash flow that I own and can control so that I can see a path to affording college. 
right? Is it diversification? Kim, I have all of these apartments, but I, you know, right now the market's really tough on real estate. So I'm, I'm ready to diversify. I've had so many candidates in 2021 in that position. Um, so it's all different starting places. But the idea is the first thing we're going to do is get to know each other. And me basically asking you a lot of questions, personally, professionally, and financially. I have you fill out a really basic questionnaire. Then we get on the phone and we hash it out. And before I start asking questions about what do you want to invest, I'm going to teach you what your money buys. It's not really fair to say, okay, well, how much money do you want to put in Yeah. when you don't even know when you say something like, okay, I say 50,000, like, well, what is that? What does what, what Kim Daly hear when you say 50,000? Like, what does that get me? Because money, like buying a car, money buys options. The more money you have, the more options you have. But the more money that you put in does not necessarily correlate to a greater return. I might argue that if you're the right person to own a little forty dollars or $50,000 sales thing that's work from home, which doesn't mean you're working from home. It means, hey, I don't have to take on the overhead of a location right. because no one's coming to me. I'm going out and finding those people. So I don't need to have any fixed costs in, into a space. So if you're the right person to wake up every day, let's say you've been leading sales for somebody. And you love the idea of the freedom and flexibility and the relationship and using your network and using your um, your relational skills to drive activity, you can take a small investment of money and over time, turn that into a multi-million dollar business. Now, some might say, yeah, but that's not really building a business because it's built around you know your center of influence. I would say, well, it, it, it is a business, like my business fits into that category. I certainly am self-employed. I'm, you know, but yes, you're right. It's like a doctor or an attorney. It's if you're not there, you're not making money. You can scale that by adding teams of people. But if you're looking to build scale, which most people are, then it might be in a different form of business, one that has the marketing where the owner is more of the CEO working on it, managing the people who work in it and being able to drive the strategy and the, the, the uh, revenue of the business through people, through equipment, and build a multi-million dollar business like home services, Caleb. Think about like during during the pandemic when we were all home, okay? Home services went out of control. People were not going on vacation, right? Now we're trying to create space in our homes for offices, for kids to be home for school. Everybody in the world got a COVID puppy. Everybody in the world built a pool, <laughs> right? So think about the services, right? We were home, so we were staring at the, the junk in the closets and we had time to clean it out because we had nowhere to go. <laughs> so junk removal franchises were out of control. Handyman services were out of control. Remodeling services were out of control. You know, now we're in our backyards, mosquito spraying companies where we were like giving those away, it seemed like at certain points, right? All the pool cleaning companies that had to service all these pools that were being built. So the ancillary services, whether you were selling a product in the home or whether you were offering a service that catered to some product that somebody just added to their home. The home services space was huge. And you can take a relatively low amount of money and turn it into a multi-million dollar business with lots of scale, you know, by adding on territory, by add, scaling through teams of people, by scaling through equipment. So my process identifies, you know, what your core strengths are, what your feelings about creating jobs are. If you're the kind of person who's like, I don't like people, I don't want to manage 100 people or, or 20 people even. 
right? I don't want to put you in a business where you're going to have 20 people. You're not going to be happy, right? Right. But on the flip side, if you're like, man, the best part of what I've done in my professional life is creating jobs and like watching these people's careers flourish under my mentorship, you better believe I want to use that. Right. And you can manage minimum wage in something like junk removal, and you can manage licensed people in like a trade skill like massage. Massage Envy is a franchise, or you could go all the way up to professionals like in a day spa where you have a nurse practitioner, right? Doing Botox injections, or we have a, a mental health franchise and you need licensed therapists. So, part of the matching process is me understanding the environment that I can bring back to you that allows you to wake up every day excited about what you get to do, the role that you play, the people you're surrounded by, the customers you serve, and the product or service and its value to you and the the value that you see out in your local community. So, And then the last option, of course, is the real estate stuff, which is the stuff that we all think about. Right. When we think franchising, we think food and retail. But I'm going to tell you, Caleb. So I'm very blessed to be one of America's top franchise consultants. So I help more people get into franchise businesses than almost anybody else in the country. Very, very blessed to do that for many, many years. And I very rarely ever place anybody into food. Interesting. And I don't think I've ever done a pure retail deal. Have you ever done like a Culver's? No, what's called okay, ice cream? It's just a restaurant that growing up in central Wisconsin there, they've taken off with the franchise model, um, but they started in Wisconsin. And now I think they're in parts of, um, you know, Florida, like they, they have a pretty impressive model, but it's, it's very much like the Chick-fil-A model where, you know, there's pros, pros to that, but then there's also cons to that as well. For the average person, it's not that I don't have food at my, you know, in my inventory to show. It's just for the average person, there are easier, faster, better ways to make money where you're not working nights, weekends, and holidays, and you're not managing tons of employees. You're not, you know, worried about health codes and making people sick and right, like the perishable product and the slim margins if you buy wrong or have have a lot of waste. There are just easier ways. Interestingly enough, the easiest people to talk out of food are those people that have owned or worked in restaurants yeah, yeah. before. I can say that for <laughs> we, we have clients that are in the food space and it definitely it's a rough business and they do it because they're passionate about it. And there's definitely I mean, they're making money, they're doing great, but it's a tough business, especially when you look at the last couple of years, lots of ups and downs and the margins are not insanely high. And so there's just a lot of risk because you have fixed overhead, you have you have to pay people and you have to pay buy food, whether people come in or not. And uh, there's just there's just some unknown. So I'm going to give my franchise 101 franchises you are paying money and partnering with a company and what you're buying is you're buying the foundation the proven track record the brand the really I'm, I'm sure i would love for you to touch on this what the fail rate is for people that got in get into franchises versus people that just start their business i bet there's a huge difference because you're buying something proven and then the hope is you obviously not all franchises are created equal and so just because you're a franchise, you could, you could buy an asset that scales that maybe doesn't include you, or you might be like the solepreneur where it's like you get into a franchise and it's just a glorified job that you have freedom on. Um, and so correct me and where I'm, where I'm off here. And then let's talk about the, 
the 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 difference between buying a franchise and starting a business. And then what I would love to do is I'm just curious about the actual numbers and the cash flow concept of like if you had fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand, like what are what kind of numbers are we talking about and what kind of options are there? Because there's a lot of people in my audience that have money and they're always looking for alternative ways to think outside the box to get a yield. Um, and I would be really curious about opportunities where it might not take a 40 hour commitment. So franchising is regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. So any business that's offering a business as a franchise must produce what's called a franchise disclosure document. And inside this franchise disclosure document is really soup to nuts, like full disclosure of the history of this franchise. So in there, there's the failure rate in item 20. There are 23 items or sections to the franchise disclosure document. And item 20 has that success and or failure rate. So before you give the franchise or any money, you can see their historical track record. Now, to the point that you made, yes, most of the franchises that I work with have success rates. You know, you hear that 90% of startup businesses fail right before their fifth anniversary, whereas most of the franchises that I work with have statistics 90% or higher. Like I have some franchises that are 95, 98% successful over 10, 20, 30 years. Now, when you look at like, wow, like there's one franchise out there that's 98% successful for 30 years. And in my early days, I was I bought that. I bought into that. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like these people are amazing. And then you kind of grow up and you get smart and you're like, wait a second. How are they making that claim? So here's the thing. When I say that franchising is a partnership, it is. That particular franchisor does not allow more than 2% of their people to fail. So that's a really good thing. It's a really good thing. It means they're not allowing people to lose their shirt. So if they see that your business is not going the way that you or they hope it's going to go, they're going to do a couple of things. They might come to the consultant group and say, hey, we have a resale. They're going to ask you to raise your hand and sell your business and get out. Maybe it's just not the right thing for you, right? Like ultimately, success in a franchise, no matter how great the franchisor is, ultimately, it's on the franchisee. It's on you, the owner. So the franchisor can have the best plan in the world. I always use my personal training analogy. So when I was a personal trainer, like I could have the best equipment, right? I could have the most up-to-date science on how many reps and how many sets and the pace at which you need to go to make your body grow and change. But I can't make your body change. I I can't make you show up, you know, three or four days or five days a week, whatever our plan is together, right? You have to show up. You have to put that intensity into your workout. You have to control what you eat. You have to sleep the right number of hours, right? You have to do the right things, in order for the plan to work. And the same thing is true in a franchise. They can have the best environment for the culture of abundance and the best training and the best toolbox that gets your phone to ring. But if you don't convert those leads that they're generating for you to paying customers, right? Or you don't treat your customers right, or you're you're not learning how to be a boss that holds on to employees, they can't help you. Right. right. They can so, offer all so in the other tools. words, what you're saying is a lot more successful than starting a business from scratch, but you're still the it's there's still failure because you're the common denominator in Absolutely. Like, yes. Could, I could give you the a blueprint on how to build something, but if you don't build it, you know. You are the greatest determining factor of your success. So what's great is I mean, everybody wants to own it when the business is successful, Caleb, right? right? 
But when it's not going right, people want to blame the franchisor. They want to blame the territory. They want to blame the economy. They want to blame this. They want to blame that. And listen, I don't blame you. I've been a business owner for 25 years, right? 20 years as a franchisee with the company called Franchise, the company I'm part of today. And definitely over the time, right, my business has gone up and down. In fact, the first eight years that I was a consultant, I was an average performing consultant. And then one year later, back in 2011, I sort of set my mind straight with, it was really a hypothesis, what would happen if? And I said, I'm going to hold myself accountable to this if for one year not knowing that one year later, I would be a history-making franchise consultant. And that was back in 2012. I've been able to replicate those results and really turn it into a science. It's a science that I can share with other consultants. And now there are people that occasionally beat me, which is great. Like, you know, rising tides raise all ships. So I created a belief that something was possible. Other consultants said, oh, I can do that too. And a couple other people are doing it with me, which is more fun. But it also is a science that I can give to my candidates, So it's not just my role with you is not just about identifying the right business for you, but I want to coach your mindset. I don't want you to spend eight years in the average pack of the franchise. I want you to, it's way more fun being a history making franchise for 10 years than it was being a, you know, or 12 years than it was an average performing consultant for eight years. So there's like, and, and that's the part that like the art of ownership that franchisors can teach you functionally, like what to do in their business. Right. They can train you. Like you don't, today I interviewed the CEO of an insulation franchise. Hmm. You know, he didn't even have any background in insulation when he started the business. He hmm. learned. And so he can teach you. He doesn't need you to know anything about spraying insulation. He's going to teach you. But yep. what he was saying today is, I I said, what's the most important characteristic in a good candidate for your business? He said, competitive drive. Yep. I love it. People who want to wake up. Yeah, he can't teach that. He can teach you the rest of the business. And so, and I got off on on track, but I mean, there's so much that goes into this beyond just my matching companies to you or failure rate in a disclosure document, which is how we got here. Like I, I want my people going back to the process. Once we've identified the companies and you're going to, you're going to take the hand of the franchisor and they're going to take you through like in a franchise, you don't have to know the questions to ask. Franchisor is going to teach you what you need to know about their business, but then we're not going to take their word for it solely. We're going to go validate. We call it validation where you get to talk to people who've already said yes, the other franchisees. Right. So we're going to go, if you're working with me, we're not going to go find the people who it isn't working out for. Right. Like, how is that going to help you? They can't even figure out how to help themselves. We're going to go find the winners in the group, the the top performing, the Kim Dailies, the history makers in the group to find out what do they know? How do they think about the business? What are they waking up and doing? How long does it take them? When did they start cash flowing? How much money do they think they can make? I love it. And we're going to use the path that they've created to build your plan. So I'll answer a lot of questions in one. When it comes to making earnings claims, first of all, if a franchise consultant ever makes you or anyone listening an earnings claim, you should 100% fire that consultant. It is never my job to tell you the earnings potential of any franchise. I'm not a business broker. I don't have a license to sell a franchise. I am eHarmony. Right. <laughs> I am making but, but you a match. can look at a range. I mean, obviously it's like anything. You want to know the the 
the range, right? You got to wait until we get in front of the franchises and you've got to see what kind of average claim they're making in that franchise disclosure document. Then we're going to go out and we're going to validate out in the real world with franchise owners to see what is the range. Because in every franchise, there will be people who are knocking it out of the park and there will be people who are average and there will be people who can't figure it out. Right. Every, no matter how great the franchisor is. Now, the greatest franchisors out there are all about raising that average unit volume. Because right. listen, franchisors make money from royalty, right? right. That's the so percentage. I, want, I wanted of to your- break that down for a second. I have a question. How many, what's the youngest person that's been gone through that started a franchise? That, do you, have you connected someone that's pretty young out of high school that started their own franchise? Not really out of high school, but definitely people in their 20s, for sure, especially if they have parents or, you know, they have they've had like a a really successful private equity. Like if they, you know, come into a fairly substantial amount of money. Okay. Okay. At a young age, the average person I work with is probably more like 40 or 50, just because Caleb, they've had more time to accrue assets and start thinking about, you know, this whole working for somebody else thing isn't really what I want to do with the rest of my life. Right. There's some pain there. What kind of money, and I know that you can't give earnings claims, and I know that it, it very, you said varies from, it could be 5 million to 30,000. What kind of average type of money do you need to have access to, to really think about before going into this? Is, are we talking like average investment of a couple hundred thousand? Like, I know, again, you have to be careful about giving exact numbers, but do you have a general idea of the typical number that people use as it relates to getting into into a franchise. So there are two qualifiers in a franchise. There's liquidity and then there's net worth. So if you're looking for a business where your time is leveraged through the asset of the business, like a laundromat, which is going to be a big capital outlay, right? To build it, to get all that equipment in there, then you're going to need a pretty high net worth and a fair amount of liquidity because you've got to, you've got to keep this thing going, right? Until it's cash flowing on its own. Right. So that's going to be a bigger investment. So money and time are inversely related. Got it. The bigger the investment, typically, the lower the owner time commitment. If you look at the self storage business, right? An amazing, amazing business. Who doesn't drive by one and say, wow, I wish I owned that? Right. Right. Just people storing their stuff and paying you residual month after month after month. That, but that guy doesn't, the guy that owns that built it, the 10 or $12 million building, he's, he's never there. Mm-hmm. Like that for him, that was some tax deduction, <laughs> right? He's looking for a better place in the stock market to put his millions. And so, right. So on the flip side of that, a little home base, like we have a consulting business that goes into businesses, they're cost cutting experts. It's the largest cost cutting company in the world. It's a franchise. You would never know it was unless you came to me. You get to work from home, work with local businesses and save them money. But the average job may produce to you, I don't know, let's say I'm going to make it up. This isn't an earnings claim. Let's say the average job produces to you 50000 but you can do multiple jobs with one company. Like maybe first you're going to analyze shipping, and then next you're going to analyze telecommunications, and next you're going to analyze you know, human resources. So you can keep working with that company, and so you don't need hundreds of clients to make amazing money. And because you're working from home with very little fixed overhead, if your um, royalty is 10% back to the franchisor, you may be putting 90 cents of every dollar back into your pocket. So that's the other thing. Royalties, people will trip over. "Ah, How do these people, you know, judge me 9% royalty? It's like the higher the royalty, the higher the margin. 
that yeah. it's the simplest way to explain it. So when you see a low royalty, people are like, well, I want the franchise with the lowest royalty. I'm like, really? Just think about what you're saying. If you're the franchisor and you're making money from royalty, do you want to take a little bit or a lot? Yeah. You want to take as much as you can take without, but you have to be able to leave a legitimate return, right? No really? one's going to do this for less than like 10% on average, Right. right? Right. And, but there are people, I'm not, again, not making, there are franchises where individual owners, especially in food, you'll see them below 10 retail. You'll see them below 10. If you buy the product wrong, you'll yeah. see really slim margins. You think, why so, would anybody do it? You do it for volume, like yeah. Walmart, you do it for volume and scale. It is the on the royalty. flip side, if you have a business with a membership, massage envy, any kind of gym and you'd be like, Oh, what about the pandemic? Don't trip yourself up over that. Um, like things that are reoccurring, like storage and you can, you have controlled fixed cost, but you can keep growing that membership. So what happens to your bottom line? It gets big and fat and healthy. And this is where you see on a million dollars in revenue, people clearing 200 or 300 or even more in some cases, you're not going to see that in a million dollars in chicken wings at Wingstop ever. Right. Right. So it's first per unit volume and controlling expenses. And then it's scale. In a franchise, like anything else, Caleb, the wealth is created through the scale. It's always going to be about two or three or four, but you can't get to two or three if you can't get to one. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is, can we see the opportunity with one and then having the potential to scale that to multiple locations? And if you can have one manager managing three or five locations and moving even employees around. Yeah you can really scale that opportunity and start to have an economy of scale where you can control costs. So franchise 101 is you're you're paying it up front and what is that what what is that technical franchise fee. Okay, that's a franchise fee and it could be it could range but what's it what's an average $50,000. $50,000? Okay. So $50,000. Okay, so that's that's the franchise fee and then as you grow, you're partnered with the franchise and they get what's called a royalty. Is that off revenue or net profit? How is the royalty calculated? Revenue. Because okay. franchisors can only help you drive revenue. They can't control how good of an operator you are. So your net is going to be your net, but always yeah. off of gross revenue. So let's say, and I'm just, just hypothetical and you can maybe help this be I love it. realistic. Ahead. So let's say I have $50,000 franchise fee. I get into a business and what's a, what's a reasonable royalty that you'll see like in a high margin company? Uh, nine or 10%. Okay, so let's if say it's 10%. a high margin business, you'll see a higher royalty. So the yeah. average royalty is between six and 10% of gross sales. Okay. So the higher the royalty, typically the higher the margin in the business. Okay. So let's, but not let's... always. Sometimes if a franchisor is the manufacturer of a product, that when you buy the product, they're making money, they may have no royalty. Right. Or they may have a flat royalty or they may have a low royalty. Right. But here's the thing, Caleb, how the franchisor makes money, it's disclosed to you. Totally. Well, and that yeah, franchise just... disclosure document. So right. you can see their revenue streams in right. item 21, company financials. So it's no secret. Right. And I just want to, I want to like break down. So like, let's say it's a 10% royalty. And do you have on average what, what a typical 
uh, margins are for a franchise? I know like restaurants are pretty low. Is it is that a range that you have? No, not that I can give. I mean, I would refer people to like a basic business course where, you know, you might see that the average business is somewhere be- going to net somewhere between 10 and 20 okay. percent, you know, and but but. If, in a franchise, there could be the uh, operators in the same business, some who are at 10 and some who are at, you know, 17, 18 or 20. So just based right. on how efficient they are, yeah, right? Or how inefficient, inefficient they are. So here's the thing. When I became a top performing consultant, I shared my like science with a couple of other people. One year, somebody went out and doubled my numbers, top line. But at the end of the day, I still took home more than he did that year. Why? Because by that time, I had dropped all lead sources. So I was 100% referral driven. I had no marketing costs. Yeah, He was buying all of his leads. So he doubled my top line revenue, but I still took home more than him. Yep. So this is why yep. franchisors can't take royalty off of the net. And this is why you really can't ever ask an owner, how much do you make? Right. It's okay. irrelevant. It's all about the revenue and understanding the basic expenses against that revenue. Then you can kind of get a rough idea. Okay, the margin of this business is, you know, roughly 35 to 40% or 10 to 15%. And then you go, the rest of it's on you from there. And you know that, you know, businesses are tax shelters for people. And so then there are some people that even they want to show as minimal, they're going to leverage this thing through loans, right? Right. Because they don't want any, and then write all of that off so that the first three years of this are a complete wash. Right. Totally. So there's so many different purposes for a business asset that again, if you're asking an owner, how much are you making? It's, you got to come to me. I'm going to help you understand why you can't ask that question. What's more important and what you're actually trying to learn is what are you waking up and doing to create a result? Because when you understand how to drive the revenue of the business, then and you and very few businesses have a physical path. Some do, right? But very few do. Then then you have a greater understanding of how to figure out what's possible. And and this is the kind of coaching that I offer people. You don't have to figure all this out on your own. I can help you. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree. It's not top line. It's really the take home. And I'm I'm just analytical. So it's like you have the franchise fee, you have done the royalty. And so for instance, if you make a million dollars in a year and the royalty is 10%, that's 900,000 pay your employees and and the cost of doing business. And then obviously you'd have whatever, whatever's left over. But again, you're partnering with a company that is in business wanting you to thrive and has the, has the game plan already. And so it's very, I mean, very fascinating. And I think there's a lot of exciting things as it relates to learning about this and really $50,000, it's an investment, but it's very doable for someone who's, you know, in their 30s, 40s, who have saved money and especially clients of ours who have alternative ways of saving money. It's like it gives you options. And that's what's yeah, really exciting. Yeah, is- I'd say, you know, with 50,000, it's probably not quite enough. I think the minimum investment in a franchise is probably all in 50 to 80. And for that person, I'd still want you to have 100 pretty liquid. Yeah, right. That's I don't want to help you put the everything you have into the startup of a business. That's not a good proposition for you. Right. Yep. And the more money you have, the more options you have. So if you want a pure sales driven thing, that's on the low. If you want something where you're, now we've got to buy our leads through marketing, you're going to need a little more money. Yep. If your business requires equipment, you're going to need a little more money. But it doesn't all have to come from you. 
right? right. There are funding resources. So I have people that yep. all they do is finance a franchise investment. So, so once we've question. identified yeah. the companies that you're reasonably excited about, we know their potential costs. We know your net worth and liquidity. We're going to put you to financing. And now with clarity, you can figure out how you might be able to afford these. Because I think when you understand financing, sometimes it makes an investment more attractive and sometimes it makes it less attractive. So the financing piece comes early in my process, but we talk about money very early and often because it's the crux of the whole thing. Even if money is not the, the, the driving motivator for doing this, maybe it's passion, maybe it's quality of life, freedom, control, right? But at the end of the day, the money has to be there or it's an investment or it's, we have no conversation, right? You're not going to do something purely because it's a hobby and lose money. Yep. Well, and and again, I'm with you on the passion, on intentional living. What would be really, really interesting, and I'm sure there's a calculator, if there's not, we could create it, is just cash flow. It's like you, you put in your time, your, you know, this, 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 you like plug it in and then it kicks out. I I think so. I don't think so because I think there are franchisees in very low investment options that have built multi-million dollar businesses. They're not the average people. Yeah. On the flip side, there are businesses, again, that could cost three or four million. We work with a swim school where you're physically building a pool. Yeah. It's an amazing tax deduction. It is absolutely hands-off by the owner. It comes with like right. a six-figure general manager salary built into that like investment. Mm. But it's a total trade-off of money for time. Yeah. But you know the thing's still going to generate close to seven figures, right? You know, yeah. through membership, right out of the you know right out of the gate as you get that break-even membership going. So, I don't know that there's a correlation between the way that you want it to be that like methodical or strategic, yeah. and certainly like you know when people come to me, Caleb, I say, look, if you're trying to get this down to like say you know over here, if I invest this money in the market, I can get this return, or into this apartment or real estate, I can get this. If you're coming to the idea of a franchise looking to compare this to that yeah. with you know that kind of specificity, I'd say it makes me nervous. Yeah. You're more you're because you're looking you for someone the- that wants to to really dedicate their life towards something that they're passionate about and it and it creates the blueprint that allows them to do that. Not always. No. This business can be a pure investment vehicle, yeah. but you have to understand that you are the greatest determining factor of that business's success. So whether you're able to drive a million dollars out of it or a hundred thousand dollars out of it, right? If the potential is there for a million, it's there. But what you do with that potential is on you. And that's That's why I think it's not because a business is never going to be truly passive like other forms of investments. A business needs a leader. Yep. And the more that you grow, and that leader can be five hours a week. Right. Right. In some businesses, but it still needs you five hours a week. Right. So, and the more that you can grow into that role and embrace that role and maximize that role, then the greater the potential will be. But again, it's the 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 millions or the multi-millions, the wealth is going to be created through the scale. It's not going to be one unit of anything, including Chick-fil-A. It's going to be about multiples, but you can't get to number two you don't if do you don't number. first start with number one. Fascinating. I'm uh, very, very interested in learning more. What What else would you like to cover that we haven't talked about from the pros and cons? And then obviously I, I would love for the people that are watching and listening to this being like, oh my goodness, I want to learn more about this. How do they get connected with you? What's kind of the next step there? 
so yeah, t- take it away from there. And then we're going to transition into what I call the legacy question, but that's kind of uh, the ending of this interview. So anything else that we haven't talked about and what are some good call to actions to people that are like, man, um, you're speaking my language. I, I'm super interested. I might, this might be an amazing fit. Like where's the next step? Okay. So ultimately the only, what I'd say to summarize everything we said is that a business, a franchise business is an opportunity for the average person to come to the idea of owning a business without an idea, without an MBA, without a background in business ownership, and to know that you can do it successfully, that you can do it safely, that you can partner yourself with people who can coach you and mentor you. You can change your life and leave W-2 and go work that business as a full-time owner-operator or an executive owner, right, managing through people. Or you can keep that job or be diversified with other investments and add this into your portfolio. There are many, many different options out there, and that is why I have a business, to help you figure out what the right investment strategy is for you based on what you're trying to accomplish. It always comes back to your goal. So when you're ready, the only thing you have to do, you don't have to worry, do I have enough money? Do not worry about that. I will teach you if you by teach you what your money buys, and then you'll know, right? Because it also has to come it comes down to, you know, does do you have a spouse? Does your spouse work? Are are you credit worthy? Can we get a loan? So don't take yourself out of the conversation because you think you don't have enough money. Give me the opportunity to teach you, right? What you need to do before you come to me, though, is get clear on what's motivating you to want to have this conversation with me. The more clear you are the easier it is for me to take it from there. So su- super well well stated. And I, I, I'm I grateful that we got connected because that's very much how we operate is if you don't have a clarity on what you actually want in a life, it's really hard to figure out this whole money thing because what's the point? <laughs> it's like, let's make that the metric. Let's make that your why the metric. And then everything that we do with our time, relationships and resources and talent should be backed up by living that out. Awesome. It's, it's refreshing seeing people um, out there. I'm going to ask one more technical question, and this is sure. around loans. Yeah. You mentioned it multiple times. One of the things that makes real estate so attractive is is banks will lend uh, on that, and it's it's amazing. When it comes to franchises, I feel like there's so many more options than starting a business because when I started a business, no one wanted to give me money because the chances of me failing were quite high. Sorry, Caleb. Yeah. yeah. So I, I get that. Let's say I wanted to have the conversation or someone from the audience wanted to have a conversation. Is it and again, I know you got to be careful, but like there are multiple lending sources out there and they're probably very confident or they, they're more confident um, giving money for a proven system that works X amount of times. Yes. So can you talk yes. about like the, the framework or the overview of how that works? And um, yes. Because yes, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing opportunity and amazing efficiency point that a lot of people aren't even thinking about it when they're starting a business. Correct. Yes, the SBA, uh, Small Business Association, loves franchising. There are SBA SBA preferred concepts, which means that they're on a registry so that the bank looks at that registry and says, oh, this, this business already meets our criteria for lending. And my financial people, that all they do is help you get approved for a loan for your franchise business, they will lead you right to the right bank that they know. They know exactly how you have to look on paper. They know the credit score. They know the you know income to debt ratio. They know all of that to help you get approved. You do not have to 
try to fund your business on your own, that's literally a black hole. Many local banks don't have the exposure to franchising that the companies that I work with do. And also, these companies may shop your loan at three, four, five banks at the same time, and they won't tell you the four no's that freak you out. They're going to bring you the one yes, right? But if you're going to a bank and the bank says no to you, you may freak out thinking, oh, why? Is the is it bad? Is like, should I not do this? And it may have nothing to do with you and everything to do with their lack of you know exposure to franchising and being able to say yes to the loan, right? So, but the, a bigger piece to funding a franchise business is the 401k rollover plan. So this is a way if you if your investors out there are infamil- are familiar with infinite banking, it's sort of the same principle where if you have more than $50,000 in a 401k that is not tied to an employer that you currently work for. So say you've been transitioned out or you left your job but you left your 401k with your previous employer. You can use 100% of that money for the purposes of starting a business without creating a taxable event. That's called the ROBS program, the rollover for business startup. Again, you do not have to be the expert. I have the experts. You do not want to mess with the IRS. So you want to make sure that you talk to people who've done this a million times, who know how every I needs to be dotted and every T is crossed. And more importantly, as the tax laws change, that you remain compliant. And that's what my friends in lending do. So oftentimes, Caleb, the funding is, um, it's very unique to each person, just again, based on what they're trying to fund, their net worth, their income to debt ratio. Are they trying to live off of the business? Do they have a job that they can live off of for some amount of time? All of these things factor in, but often it's a combination of maybe a 401k rollover for the first 20 or 30% that the bank wants you to have liquid. That counts if you take it from your 401k through the ROBS. And let's say that it's this little yoga studio for 300,000 and the bank is like, we will write that construction loan and working capital loan all day long. You need the franchise fee and a little bit of working capital, the first hundred. So you take that from your 401k, the bank comes in with the loan for the back two thirds and that's how you do it. And then when you look to number two, You may take profits from number one to provide that first 20% for number two. And then the bank comes in again and back ends the the back two thirds. But there are many ways you can jumbo loan it where you're like, I know I'm building three and get one giant loan for all three. Or you can piecemeal it one by one by one and go one at a time. Everybody does it a little bit different. And my finance people, again, they will help you through all of that. So even if the only thing you want out of this is financial contacts, like, Absolutely find me and I will lead you to those people. You're like you're like eHarmony, but we'll also help you finance your wedding. <laughs> the most efficient way. I like that. Um, all right. So this has been a blast. It's it's crazy how time flies. Um, really, really appreciate your time. Um, a couple things. My last question I'll ask, and then you can tell people how they can contact you. And my last question is the legacy question, which essentially says if this is your last day on earth and you're with the people that you love the most. And you couldn't give them anything, a book, a video. You can only have this conversation. What would that conversation be focused on and why? What an amazing question. So the first thing that came to my mind would be 
dreams. So I have accomplished so many things in my life compared to people around me simply because I dream. I have goals. I believe in my goals. When I get an inspired idea, I write it down and I journal it and I I spend time in the daydream because what the most amazing thing that happens Like the day I already talked about in Dallas, when I woke up in that hotel room and literally found myself in the middle of my dream, only it wasn't a dream, it was reality. I was living the dream rather than dreaming the dream. I have had so many amazing moments in my life like that, that I wouldn't have had if I didn't have the dream. I would encourage everybody, not just the people I love, like everybody, because I love all of you. Like that's where my heart is and serving other people is to inspire you to dream. It all begins with your dream. I love it. Love it. How can people get connected with you and reach out? Okay. So please, please, please check out my new YouTube channel at Kim Daly, D-A-L-Y dot TV. And I can't believe I waited the whole time to say this to you. So my YouTube channel, Caleb, this is the greatest thing I have ever done, like professionally, maybe in my life. When I couldn't physically get people together, Due to the pandemic, I had to like adapt and reinvent mm-hmm. myself like many businesses did. And I am so grateful. I probably would have ended up here eventually, but I'm here now and I love it. So please go to kimdaily.tv. Just Google me on YouTube. I have hundreds of videos on franchising, mindset coaching, business setup. Um, like any question that any, like so many of the topics we talked about today, I have full videos about the fees and about the relationship and how does my process work and why do franchises fail and you name it so many videos please check it out that is absolutely the best place to go and from there you can um, email me to contact me directly cool and i will we'll make sure to link your email not just email but your youtube channel in the description below i just looked it up there's so many wonderful videos great thumbnails definitely excited to check this out Kim, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for being a dreamer. And thank you for giving us the overview of franchise um, as an asset, as a business, and a, as a, a an energy uh, opportunity that we could be putting our, our energy into. So thank you for that. And uh, I look forward to future conversations. Thank you, Caleb. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.